Well, one thing I think that all of humanity is desiring is peace in our lives. Uh, I think that if I had peace in my life, uh, it would be awesome, right? I could, if I could trust that my kids weren't going to get hurt just walking down the street, or I could just trust them to go to Mosher's by themselves and come back and nobody was going to do anything to them, it would be amazing. There would be a lot less work for me uh, on my end as an adult. All right, but peace, I think, is something that, that we desire, but it's not always attained. And I think a lot of the reasons why we don't see peace uh, in our world is because a lot of us have different ideas as to what peace means. Right, I think there's different definitions, and I think uh, when I think about the Islamic terrorists, right, their definition of peace is everybody being a Muslim. Right, and so they do everything in their power to bring about that peace. They, they say, convert or we're going to kill you. Right, and so it's their definition of what peace is. Uh, even in our country, there's a lot of social unrest. And the reason I think that, that we have that unrest is because we're still desiring peace. We just have different definitions depending on which ideology you fall into uh, as to what peace means. And I think there's differences of opinions on what peace is causes a lot of the strife that we see. Uh, peace, I think, is, is hard to find. Uh, when we look at the world around us, we see that peace is, is just not there. Uh, we don't have peace in, in our country because of uh, different political statuses that people have. Uh, I, I think when we look at the world, we don't see peace because there is a lot of terrorism. Uh, over the last four weeks, there's been three different terrorist attacks, okay? Uh, two in London, that's killed over 31 people and, and uh, injured over 167. Uh, we saw a terrorist attack last week uh, in Tehran, in Iran, right, a Muslim country where their parliament was bombed and uh, resulted in the death of 12 people and dozens of others injured. Right, anywhere in this world, it's not safe anymore. Right, and so we have this issue where we all desire peace, but yet we can't ever seem to get to it. And so it leads to the question of where do we find peace? Where can we get it? And I think this is the question that we see explored in Judges chapter 18, the, the place that we're going to be. I think the Israelites, they're asking this same question, where can we find peace? If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to Judges 18. We're going to continue to look at this story, uh, looking at the last five chapters of the book of Judges, where there's two different stories uh, that kind of discuss the times that they were living in. Uh, Judges 18 continues the story of uh, that we started last week of Micah and his family. Micah is introduced. Uh, he has stolen money from his mom, and when he gives it back, he gives it out of fear of a curse that she had uttered. And so she takes a portion of that money, and she makes an idol to give back to Micah. And Micah, he, he does a couple of things. He makes other religious artifacts. He eventually finds a Levite uh, who was supposed to serve as priest, and he, he convinces him to come be his personal priest at his house. And at the very last verse of chapter 17, in verse 13, uh, we read that Micah finally uh, comes to this conclusion. He says, Now I know that the Lord will be good to me since the Levite has become my priest. And I think what we see at the very end of, of Judges 17 is Micah 
thinking that he has finally found peace in his life. I think everything that took place from verse 1 to verse 12 in Judges 17 is Micah seeking peace. And he's seeking it in the wrong ways. We recognize that. He's seeking it through idols. He's seeking it through theft. He's seeking it through greed in his life. But but he's still trying to find peace. And I think once he gets to this Levite, this final piece of the puzzle, he believes that he's found the peace that he's desiring. And I think this is uh, very important for what happens in chapter 18. Uh, The story uh, of these two stories that are in the last five chapters of Judges, they start off with the individual and showing what's going on in their life, and then it jumps to the corporate, what's happening in all of Israel. And so Micah is the individual focus in 17, and we're going to get the corporate look of, of of the people of Israel in chapter 18. In chapter 18, we read this, starting in verses 1 and 2. Uh, it says, In those days Israel had no king, and in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking a place of their own where they might settle, because they had not yet come into an inheritance among the tribes of Israel. So the Danites, they sent out five of their leading men from Zorah and Ashtoreth to spy out the land and to explore it. And these men, they represented all the Danites, and they told them, Go explore the land. So the, we're introduced to this, this tribe of Israel, and they're called the tribe of the Danites. Dan was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, they had come into the promised land with Joshua, and uh, as they have come in, they were given an allotment uh, of, of the land to be their very own. And so what we read here is that while they had been given this allotment, they hadn't come into it. And what it means is it's kind of referencing something that took place in the very early chapters of Judges. Uh, in, in Judges 1.34, we read that the Amorites, they confined the Danites to the hill country, not allowing them to come down into the plain. See, Dan had been given this portion of land next to Judah in the south of Israel, right along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. And if you were to look at the coast of the Mediterranean of, of Israel from the Mediterranean, you would see this plain stretched out for a couple of miles until you get to some hills. And then beyond the hills were mountains. And this plain region was supposed to be Dan's. And Dan, they were unfortunate to be unable to take what was given to them. Instead, they were confined to the hill country. See, when Joshua entered into the land with the Israelites, he won these spectacular battles at Jericho, at Ai, and a couple of other ones. And these battles, there's only about five or six of them. And they defeated these major kings, but it was the job of each individual tribe to kind of clear out their own land. All right, Joshua got them into the Canaanite, gave them a foothold, and each individual tribe was responsible for clearing out what they had. And while Judah did a very good job, none of the other tribes did, including Dan. In fact, Dan, when they faced the Amorites, they were unable to defeat them. And this goes on for generations. Dan is relegated to the hill country, and the hill country is not ideal for growing crops. If you've ever, uh, we we go to NYR, uh, I've been to NYR a couple of times, and if you've ever been out to NYR and hit in Colorado, you can kind of tell a difference. There's almost, you can kind of feel the difference. As you're driving, you're driving through Kansas, and all as far as the eye can see, there's cornfields, right? 
all right? Corn everywhere. And then about the time you get into Colorado, everything changes. The landscape, it changes. And you know that you've just entered a new portion of the country. It, there's not, it's not often that that happens, right? But it does happen right there in Colorado. And, and while there are some fields, most of the farms in Colorado, they're more for raising livestock. And a lot of it has to deal with the hills not being ideal for growing crops. And so this is how it is for the Danites, okay? They're relegated to a place where, yes, they can raise some, some animals, but you want more than that. And so they're not able to enter into the plains where they would have been able to grow um, all, their, all their plants that they could have and wanted to. And so what they do instead is they decide to send out spies to kind of find a new place to live. See, the Danites, they were seeking peace in their lives. So I kind of imagine that, that every once in a while they would come out of the hill country, try to establish a new village to live in where they could live in peace, but not very long after establishing out the Amorites coming and attacking them and pushing them back up into the mountains. The Danites didn't know what peace was. And so they were seeking the peace, and they were seeking it by sending out these spies to figure out where they could go. I think a lot of times in our lives, when we do not feel at peace, we do this exact same thing. We seek out places we can go to find it. Maybe for you, you're not very happy with your job. You know, it doesn't make as much as you think it should. Maybe you have issues with the boss, and you just have a lot of conflict. And so instead of working through that, you decide to send out feelers to find peace. New job better paying ones. Maybe, maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's other things. You, you, you're living in a place that it's just there's a lot of conflict through your neighbors, through other people that you interact with. And so you send out feelers to figure out where can we go to find peace. And that's kind of what the Danites are doing. They're, they're seeking this peace that they don't have. And so they're sending out these spies to find it for them. Well, these spies, they go out, uh, and in ver the second part of verse 2, uh, they say that they enter the hill country of Ephraim, and they come to the house of Micah, the character of chapter 17. And they spend the night there, and when they uh, were near Micah's house, they recognized the voice of the young Levite, so they turned in there, and they asked him, Who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? Why are you here? And the Levite told them that my, all that Micah had done for him. He said, he hired me and I am his priest. And they said to him, please inquire of God to learn whether our journey is going to be successful. And the priest answered and said, go in peace. Your journey has the Lord's approval. So then I say, come to Micah's house. And it's probably not just Micah by himself. It's probably a cluster of houses. You know, Micah probably has other people, servants working for him. And so they're there, and they decide to spend the night here, and they recognize the Levi. And the question is, how do they recognize him? Well, we have a lot of different accents in our country, right? You could tell if someone's from the Boston area, or if they're from the Deep South, or if, even if they're from Minnesota. All right, you can hear it from the way that they talk. 
And that's probably what's happened here. Even in Israel, uh, even in a smaller country like it, there were different dialects depending on where you were at. Dan was originally located near Judah, which was in the south of Israel. Uh, Judah uh, is, is a large section of area. If we remember the Levite here, he was from the town of Bethlehem and in Judah. And so he's from that same region. And even though they are farther north now in the hill country of Ephraim, they still speak the same way. And so they're probably walking around and they're like, oh, I recognize that type of speech. And so they go to the Levite and they ask him, why are you here? How did you get here? What has happened? What's your story? And so the Levite, he tells them, I was looking for a place to live and Micah gave me this. He gave me a job, he's paying me with clothes, he's paying me with silver, and I think the Levite here feels like he too has found peace. He has found security, he has a job. And so this thing that we're looking for, this peace, I think the Levite finds it, but what I think we all have to understand about peace is this. While we may feel like we are at peace, when we may feel like we have stability, when we may feel secure in where we're working, it doesn't mean that peace is what we have. This Levite, as we're going to see, he feels like he has peace, but it's not really there. All right, the story will continue uh, with that. The Danites, they ask the Levite, hey, since you're a priest, please ask God if this is what we are to do. And I think this is ironic for a number of reasons, okay? The first is that God has already told the Danites what they should do, all right? In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 3, Moses is speaking to all of Israel, the Danites included, and he says that you are to drive them out and annihilate the people, all right? Talking about the Canaanites, talking about the land that they were about to enter, the Danites had been given this portion of land that the Amorites, which were one of the Canaanite groups, and, and they were supposed to drive them out. So God's already told the Danites, this is what I want you to do. And so they're saying, God, we don't know what we're supposed to do, even though God's already told them. And so he's asking the priests, is this what we should be doing? And the other thing that makes this ironic is, is what the priest is even talking about. All right? The priest isn't talking to the Lord God, he's talking to an idol that's in a shrine in Micah's backyard. All right, he's, talking to a, he's trying to get to God and answer this question in the wrong means, in the wrong ways. All right, so it's ironic that the Danites would ask that, and the response that they get is that they will have peace, go in peace, the Lord is with you. And so it's, it's just one of those weird things that we see in this story. So the Danites leave. Uh, in the very next verse, they uh, say that they find what they are looking for. In verse 7, we read that the five men left and they came to Laish. And there they saw people that were living in safety, like the Sidonians, at peace and secure. And since their land lacked nothing, they were prosperous. Also, they lived a long, a long way from the Sidonians and had no relationships with anyone else. So they find this town called Laish, and Laish uh, it, it is outside of Canaan. That's going to be important in a little bit, okay? All right, but it's located way into the north, and the one thing that's very interesting about Laish is the way it's described. All right, it is said to have 
peace. And this is so unique that we really should highlight this in our Bibles. This is the only place that's outside of Israel in the Old Testament that is said to have peace. See, this is the thing that the Israelites were, were desiring, were seeking from. God had promised the Israelites, I will give you peace. And yet throughout their entire history, they never seemed to be able to attain it and hold on to it for very long. And yet here we have this town that's not Israel that has what these men are looking for. What we all are seeking. Peace. And so I think it's very important that we understand that this town has peace. And the Danites, they recognize it right away, and they return home. And in verse 8, this is what they say that they should do. Uh, They return home in verse 8, and the Danites asked him, How did you find things? And they answered, Come on, let's attack! Now, that is irony right there, right? There's peace. We want peace. Let's attack them to get peace. All right, so that, that's what they say. Let's attack. It's a land. It's very good. What are you guys doing? We know what we need to do. Let's get up and let's go. It's a spacious land. God has given it to us. And so this, in verse 11, 600 men of the Danites armed for battle set out from their cities. And on their way, they set up camp uh, near Kiriath-Jerim. And that's why it's called uh, the tribe of Jan- Dan to this day, uh, the camp, encampment of Dan to this day. And so, so the tribe of Dan, these spies, they come back and they say, hey, let's go attack them. All right, and, and, and I don't know about you, but I think the opposite of peace is conflict. All right? Conflict and peace, they're not really the same thing. And, and while sometimes conflict uh, can result in peace, it's not the normal way to get it. In fact, when we go into conflict... The peace that we often find at the other end is not the peace that we really, truly desire. And I think what we see in this story as the Danites are seeking this peace in their lives, they are going about it in the wrong way. They are seeking to to attain peace in their lives by fighting. And I think a lot of times in our lives we can do this as well. We can seek peace out, but we can go about it in the wrong ways. Well, the Danites, they, they head back up to Laish. Uh, they, on their way, they decided to take a detour back to Micah's house. Uh, in verse 13, we read that uh, they, they come to the hill country of Ephraim. They come to Micah's house, and the five men who had spied out the land of Laish said to their fellow Danites, this guy here, he has an ephod, he has some household gods, and he has an idol. Now you know what to do. So they turned from there and they went to the house of the young Levite at Micah's place and they greeted him. And the 600 Danites armed for battle with their swords in their hands. All right, they're, they're sitting there and they're talking and shooting the breeze with the Levites while the five men go and they steal all of the idols and they bring it out. And, and kind of left with this question, why are they stopping here? You know, why are they stopping to take all these things? And in verse 6, I think, is the answer to that. All right, in verse 6, the Danite spies had come there, and they had asked God, God, is this what we're to do? Are we to seek out? Are we going to find what we're looking for? And so uh, the Levite in that instance said, yes, God says yes. 
And so now the Danites are going back after having confirmation of what has been given to them. And they want those things because those things showed them their way. And I think what we see in the story is that the Danites, not only are they seeking peace in the wrong ways by going to war, by having conflict in their lives, but they are also seeking peace in the wrong places. They think that they'll have peace with this ephod and this idol. We oftentimes seek peace in the wrong places as well. Maybe we seek pieces in the relationships that we have. Maybe we have uh, friends or we have spouses that that's where we try to find our peace in. And if our relationships are good, then we have peace in our lives. Some of us, maybe it's our activities that we do. Maybe we try to escape the world and find peace by uh, reading or watching TV or, or playing sports. Maybe for some of us, we expect the government to provide peace for us. And in any of those situations, whether it's other people or whether it's the government or whether it's the activities that we're a part of, if that's where we're trying to find peace in our lives, it will often be a false sense of peace. It will not be a peace that is lasting. This peace that we see in the story, the peace of the Micah, the peace of the Levite, the peace uh, that even Laish has, it begins to unravel at this point. Uh, Micah, or the Levite, is the first one. In verse 18, uh, we're told that the five men, after they had taken all the stuff, they brought it back out, and the priest sees what they're doing, and he asks them, what are you doing? And they answer him, be quiet. Don't say a word. Come with us and be our father and priest. Isn't it better that you serve a tribe and clan in Israel as priests rather than just one man's household? And the priest was very pleased with this. Yeah, you're right. And he took the ephod, the household gods, and the idol, and he went along with the people, and they put their children in front because they know Micah's going to come and attack them. So they put all their men in the back as they start off towards Laish. All right, so the Levite, we remember, he had peace, right? He's telling these spies, listen to what Micah's done. He's given me a job. He's given me money. He's given me clothes. Everything is good until... He's offered something better. And the peace that he thought he had in the household of Micah, it's not really there. It's that false sense of peace in his life. Micah, his peace is is gone in verse 22. Uh, Once the Danites had gone some distance, Micah's like, wait a minute, that was my stuff. And so he gathered his men, and he overtook the Danites. And in verse 23, he shouted at them, and the Danites turned and said to Micah, what's the matter with you? Why are you wanting to fight us? And, And, of course, the answer is why, right? They stole his stuff. And so verse 24, he says, look, you took my stuff. How can you ask what's the matter with me? And the Danites, they answered, hey, you know what? You really shouldn't argue with us because some of our men might get angry and we might want to kill you. So stop fighting with us. And so Micah, seeing that the Danites had 600 armed men ready for battle, decides that he's going to turn around and go back home. And the Danites, they continue on. Remember what Micah said at the end of chapter 17? Now God will bless me. 
Micah thought he had peace. But it was very short-lived in his life. The Danites come and they take everything that he had put his faith and his trust and his peace in. And it was gone. See, when we put our peace, our hope of peace, in the wrong places, in the wrong things, in the wrong ways, and it will not last. It disappears at the first sign of trouble. And Micah is left on the side of the road with nothing. He has no peace. The Danites, they... Uh, continue on in verse 27 we're told that they finally make it up to Laish and this people again they're at peace and we're told that they attacked them with the sword and they burned down the city and there was no one to rescue them because they lived a long way from Sidon and they had no relationships with anybody else and the city was was near the uh, valley of Beth Rehob and the Danites they rebuilt the city and they settled there and they they named it Dan uh, after their ancestor Dan who was born to Israel, though the city had once been called Laish. And the Danites, they set up for themselves the idol. They set up Jonathan, son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests for the tribe of Dan until the time of the captivity of the land. And they continued to use the idol Micah had made all the time the house of God was in Shiloh. See, Dan, they, they get to the Laish and they attack it because they weren't expecting an attack. And from the ashes of Laish, they build their own place. And we're told that they think that they have finally found peace. They have found a way to worship God the way they wanted to with their idol and their priests. But that very last verse of this chapter, I think, is very telling. It says that they have this form of worship all the time that the tabernacle is at Shiloh. If we were to flip just a few chapters, this tabernacle remains at Shiloh till about 1 Samuel chapter 4. So if we were to take that in a timeline, we're, we're talking a generation, maybe two. And this peace that they think that they have found by going up and attacking a non-Canaanite city of Laish, by establishing this idol that they've, they've stolen, this priest that they've bribed, this peace that they have, it doesn't actually last very long. Peace that is found in anything other than God is not really the peace that we need in our lives. So it leaves us with this question, where can we truly find peace? Throughout the New Testament, we're told that our God is a God of peace. Throughout the Bible, we're told that God wants to give us peace. And I think the only way that we can truly find peace in our lives is when God gives it to us. And the only way that we can hold on to that peace that God gives is by doing something that, that Peter writes about. Peter, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, he writes these words and he says it quoting an Old Testament passage. He says, they must turn from their evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. This is a form of Hebrew poetry, and poetry is kind of confusing at times. All right? But Hebrew poetry, it, it, there's some things that are very simple. And one of the things that's very simple is when you have a couplet, like what you have here, two lines, they typically are saying the same thing in two different ways. And so when it says on the bottom that they must seek peace and pursue it, it's saying whatever the 
first line is saying just in a different way. So if we want peace and we want to have it, then we must do what the first line says. Turn from evil and do good. And I think the reason why the Israelites uh, were trying so hard to find peace but never truly able to get there is because they never did this. They never truly turned from evil and they didn't do good. I mean, when we look at both of these chapters, chapter 17 and 18, we see these men and women seeking peace in their lives, but they never turn from evil. Micah's story begins with that. It ends with idols. The priest, he's bribed into being a priest, and then he's bribed into being a priest for more people. The Danite story is one of not doing what God had called them to do, but rather seeking a new place to live outside of Canaan, attacking a peaceful people, stealing the idols that Micah had made, as not turning from evil. And so the peace that was so fleeting in their lives, it was a result of them not doing what God had called them to do. And I think what we need in our lives is this very much same thing. If we want peace, if we want true and lasting peace in our lives, then we must turn from evil and do what God has called us to do, to do good in this world. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be hardships on us. It doesn't mean that when peace comes from God that, that we won't have conflict, but we'll have peace. And the peace that passes understanding. So my encouragement to you is to turn from evil and find peace by doing good. Will you pray with me? God, in our lives, it's sometimes hard to find this peace that you've promised us. It's hard sometimes to find this peace that, that you desire us to have in our lives. And a lot of times we don't attain it simply because we are not following you. Father, in our lives, when you call us, help us to, to trust you with all that we are. Help us to obey what you've called us to do. Help us to, to turn from evil and to do what is right. Father, just guide our steps in this. Help us to find that peace. It's your name we pray. Amen.